Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 392 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Stuart Martin, Rob Madden, Phoebe Anderson and Phil Barrowclough from Hyperliminal Games about their educational business building sim, Venture Valley. Oh, what an intro. What a gaggle of people to talk about a very interesting game. Venture Valley is an educational game about starting a small enterprise, and growing it. But not to the expense of others, just to be clear. Or maybe it is. It's an interesting kind of model, simulation of what one has to do to grow a business and work together in many ways with other businesses or indeed try to undercut them, he says delicately. But it's a really interesting game that's why i have them on because we've had educational games on before and but this one really sort of piqued my interest because it's a you know it's a delicate subject to talk about but it's a part of life venture capital growth and that kind of thing is all something that drives many economies not all of them but the vast majority of them and that's why i had hyperliminal games on to talk about the design of venture valley and the approach they took in teaching very complex ideas and interactions with business and demand and how business can fail and how they can succeed without coming across as too dry. And that's what I believe they've achieved. It's it's, it's quite an extraordinary thing, the, the presentation, and they've definitely put a lot of care and attention into creating what is a very, very interesting and uh, innovative game to deliver well, what can only be described as a very dry subject. But it doesn't make it dry. It actually makes it interesting. And that's the power of video games. They can make some very dry subjects come across as really 
really interesting. So, without further ado, let's listen to me talk to a whole gaggle of people from Hyperliminal Games about their educational game, Venture Valley. Chris, take it away. Phoebe from Phil and Stuart. It's a great gathering of people here today. Could you all introduce yourselves? So, Phoebe, kick off. Who are you? Hello. What do you do? Hi, sorry. Uh, I'm I'm Phoebe. I'm the designer for Venture Valley. Right. Rob? Hey there, yeah. My name is Rob. I'm the creative director at Hyperluminal and uh, one of the co-founders as well. Hmm. Phil? Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Phil. I'm stepping into the producer role on Venture Valley. And Stuart? Yes, I'm Stuart, and I am CEO and co-founder at Hyperluminal Games. Welcome to you all. So, um, again, we'll just keep on going over that circle, start with Phoebe, then Rob, then Phil, then Stuart. So I'll, I'll rather than bring you in every time. Um, second question. You asked the first one. There you go. Identified yourselves. <laughs> and what do you do? But this one, I find, uh, gets interesting answers. The third one is a dreaded question. Might be a collective on that one. But anyway, the second one is, how did you make a start making flashy, lighty video games? So uh, I started in a company now defunct called Authors Studios. Uh, I worked there for a year before I joined the lovely crew at Hyperluminal Games. Um, I actually started working on Venture Valley as a QA um, and our designer left and I was asked to fill the role and have been doing so ever since. Nicely done. Yeah, so my well, I'm going to steal some of Stuart's stories here as well because they overlap quite a lot. But um, I started back in 2014, uh, where I met Stuart, and uh, you know we started up the studio, and uh, yeah, I've, I've since worked on a bunch of different games and worked with a bunch of really cool clients across lots of different platforms and uh, you know partners. So uh, yeah, it's been an incredible journey so far, and uh, we've got plenty, plenty more still to do. Yeah. Um, my story. I went to uni, finished at Aberté, uh, tried to start our own company, which survived for about three or four years. Down the hallway was Stuart and Rob when our company went under. Stuart and Rob hired myself and, and one of the other guys. And then we've I've been there ever since. Uh, what's that, six and a half years, I guess now? And then Venture Valley is is me stepping into a production role from, from coming from an art background. Okay, nice. And, and Stuart? Yeah, so similar to Rob, what you said, we met in the master's course at Albert Tay in 2014 and um, decided to found Hyperluminal. I originally started as a games programmer. That's what I did at university for five years um, and for the first small part of, of Hyperluminal's existence. But I'm now very much within a, a business management role and chief executive of the company. So you've seen, I always say that 20, maybe 2010, 2012, was kind of a pivotal time for everything because the barriers started to drop, didn't they? Because you had the iPhone appearing in late 2000s and then uh, in, you know, the, the Xbox started going, you can make video games on our console for next to nothing and you can, make, you can publish them and it'll be fine. And it just basically, everything sort of like, the, the, play, the, the barriers eventually started to fall. And do you, it sounds like you all kind of like benefited from that. Is that fair to say? Anyone could answer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think there was definitely, at least I noticed, you know, the the, the starting to, to dissolve the usual partnership that you have, where you know you have to publish your game through a big publisher, right? And it's like more and more at that time you were seeing 
lots of cool little games come through Steam and, you know, social media picking up and, you know, providing real market outlets for smaller games. You know, it made kicking up a little studio and, and making a little game really viable. So, um, yeah, I think around about that time, there maybe was just a bit of a, a buzz around um, how you can kind of take a tool, take a tool at Unity or Unreal or whatever, and just kind of go and build your own content and uh, and push it out. You know, it, was, it, it became a real thing that you could legitimately do. Yeah. Exciting times indeed. And it's very liberating to see all sorts of stuff. I mean, I, I just finished Chicory. There's a game that you wouldn't be able to play or release. If you're not familiar with it, do look it up. But it's, uh, it's an extraordinary game, very brave. Or oh, Outer Wilds, that's another one. Oh, God. <laughs> just, you try to explain that to people like, no, I can't. <laughs> just, just go play it. I can't. <laughs> just, anyway. Um, so the next question, and this is something I think is more of a hyperliminal sort of like uh, collective response because it's, a, it's more of a, a nebulous question, but it's an important one because of you, you are creators. And I like to think creators are affected by this thing, that thing being influences. So what do you believe are your biggest influences as creators? Why is that the top one? Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, from a very young age, I yeah. like to create, create things, just make anything. And I also like people. Like I like playing board games with people. I like interacting with people. And as I grew up, like um, me and my brother would play a lot of computer games together, and we would all sit, always sit together. And I, I frequently play like that now. So I continue to think like like to make stuff and to interact with others. The game is just the space into which you kind of mess about with multiple people. So that's like why I got into video games and why I really enjoy video games. I find them quite like engaging, unlike a movie where you sort of sit there and you watch it passively. Whereas in a video game, you can influence it and then influence with others. Is and there's such a range as well, like such a uh, you know so many things that you would always enjoy. You know, lots of things to. There's always something new as well, so that's quite satisfying as well. So I continue on with that thought in in my games development now so the joy of social interaction and i do mm. mean that i too play lots of board games i actually just came back from last weekend from a, a conference a con smaller one about 150 people and we played lots of very i think the longest game i've played was about six hours and it's dominant species marine it's great but you just think oh boy there's a brain bleeder but <laughs> it's good it's a good one any other inputs into what you believe is driving you or driving the creative process or whether you like it or not it's sometimes it's subconsciously like what this again i'm coming back to this again what 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 is any any others want to pitch in there uh i i i think what phil said is quite true like i i really love reading i'm a huge reader but the problem with reading is you can't do it alone and you have to visualize everything in your head. But it's not the same as, like, say, watching a film, which it doesn't really feel like an activity. You're just kind of marinating, whereas video games kind of like collaborates with both. You have that kind of like creating a world, especially in, in so many games where you can really stretch your own imagination through it and using it as like a canvas to, to, to grow, really. And that, like that's what makes me excited about games, you know, like what can I do with this? Like, how can I? make this more than just what it seems yeah 
It's 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 very akin to tabletop role playing games, as they now call them. They used to be just called role playing games, but now we have to differentiate them between. So I'm playing a lot of those personally at the moment. Everything from Dune to the One Ring to Warhammer, uh, not the 40k one, the fantasy one, and uh, they all have that yeah that that drive of actually pouring content into a, an empty space and making it into something incredible and also terrifying depends on the game you're playing but <laughs> but um no i can definitely relate to that definitely relate and it definitely comes yes. through with venture valley yeah yeah i mean as a creator as you guys can touch on venture valley as a creator you know one of the big things for me is getting to see other people experience what we build so it's not necessarily about building something that, that we want to play um as such it's about watching other people engage with that content and some of the greatest moments we've had in, in HRG's history is attending conferences and putting our games down in front of people and watching you know, people of all ages and all abilities be able to play and access that content and have, have fun. Um, and as long as we can continue to do that, I'll be, I'll be very happy. Yes, I think we all will. Speaking of creators, here's the dreaded fourth question. And this one's also a little bit tricky, and I think it's an individual one, if I may. So I'm going to go round each of you, I'm afraid. So Phoebe, you're first. Here we go. What developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Oh, well, I really like the development team between, behind um, Worm Club. Okay. Um, they're like a very, very small, I think it's like two person team right. who developed the Frog Detective series. And I don't think it would be like, I don't, th I don't think they thought it would be a series, but they're about to release their like third title this year in the series. And I just think it's very wholesome. I love the idea of, of like two people setting out and, and, and creating something and uh, pushing it out there and getting it out the door. Just take an idea and roll with it. So That's wonderful. Yeah, okay. Rob, who do you point at and go, you there, carry on doing the things you're doing? Yeah, I, th I mean, there's there's so many creators I that I love. Um, I think if I had to pick one, probably at least one of the most influential would be Miyazaki from, you know, from software. Um, oh, yeah. Just that, that kind of outlook, just in terms of how focused they are in terms of their design, how they, well they execute on it, the worlds that they build are just beyond belief sometimes, you know, the level of detail and just obtuse little things that they put in that just feel so perfect for the games that they make. Like I think that there's there's such a consistency of vision in terms of the products that they build that um, I think when, especially when, when you're building products at the scale that they do, to kind of maintain that is just, yeah, quite astounding actually, I think. So I think I'd definitely put, put him more or, you know, just the, the creative teams at FromSoft up, up there for sure. They certainly credit the player with lots of intellect, don't they? They really oh, yeah. just sort yeah, of yeah. say... They yeah, just let you, you go on with it. Yeah, you're drinking this in, aren't you? You're getting this, aren't you? That that <laughs> NPC you just encountered, you spoke in a series of rhyming couplets, you totally understood everything they said, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. Okay. No, you didn't. Doesn't matter, though. Have fun. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, yeah, a good, good answer from uh, often cited in this in this question. And it's uh, but I do love the different answers. Phil, who do you point at and go, you, you there, carry on what you're doing? Uh, well, one of my favourite games is Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, it was one of the first ones I studied at uni as well, uh, just just because I love that game so much. So um, I think his name's Fumito Udea, but I, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, 
and th- that game is just so beautiful because it for me it like leaves a lot of unanswered questions you join the story and halfway through you're not really you know like you're not really sure kind of the world and the the, the mysterious voice and stuff so that's and it's very well put together and then on to that the new incarnation which is the last guardian does the same sort of thing and um i can't can't think of a game where i've cried playing until that recently so uh there's just some yeah the narrative behind that is, is good so i would like more of those kind of games <laughs> there is a reason why shadow of the colossus was converted onto three generations of playstation mm-hmm. playstation 2 yeah. 3 and 4 it was upgraded twice there's a reason for that it's continually an, do that yeah, it's an it important game it's a very important game and it does say you know it forces you to ask the question why am i doing this oh god <laughs> You know, it's really, you know, you go for all this rigmarole. Oh, wait, hang on. Stuart, who are you you admiring from afar? As regards to developers, just to be clear. Easy, easy question for me. I think the whole whole team at Naughty Dog were were basically, you know, I think they're the best developers out there. And that spans all the way from the very first games I ever played were the Crash Bandicoot series back in the day, all the way through to some of the, the best games I've played to date, being the Uncharted series and The Last of Us. Um, series as well so without question I think they are some of the best storytellers and obviously have some incredible technology as well at their fingertips they really know yeah, the medium don't they it's a really good answer so I was just saying that their accessibility options are always just like insane with how comprehensive they are mm-hmm. especially in some of the most recent ones we've been looking at them with envy at how well they managed to do you know sort of accessibility on their games it's, it's on another level yeah for sure yeah, it's just something to 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 be applauded. More and more games are doing it, some better than others. But at least they're trying. Um, I think one of the ones that I've found a lot of games that they're really focusing on colorblind people and trying to make sure that they are catered for. And it's actually harder than I know you guys know this, but many many audience members may not realise how difficult that is to cater because if you're not colorblind, you don't really understand contrasting colors and where ones pop out more than others and that's that's very important um so last question of the first half and we have to ask this question because this is a video game podcast and if i didn't ask it i'll get in trouble so here we go phoebe what are you playing right now oh i have been getting back into mario kart with some friends because they just released the uh the new level packs so i had a very uh, I've lost some friends. I'm going to say it. I've lost some friends this weekend. <laughs> Things got very heated. Um, but For the sake yeah. of blue shells. I mean, uh, you know, come on. <laughs> you, can't, just, you can't help being, you know, number one. You can't help it. <laughs> I can't help being this good, Chris. No, it's, it's, such, no. it's, it's such a shame they can't accept it. But No. And you say it's new tracks. I mean, it's new old tracks, isn't it? It's quite interesting. That yeah, it's, it, it's new old tracks. And they've also yeah. included some from their, their mobile, which I, I'm interested to yeah. know if they had to completely recreate those or I if not, no idea. it wasn't that long ago. This is the mystery but, yeah. veil of Nintendo. It's best not to <laughs> ponder too much. Okay. Rob, what are you distracting yourself with at the moment? Um, yeah, so at the moment, probably no surprises given my previous answer. I'm working my way through Elden Ring. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I didn't pick it up at launch, actually. Just I had other games in my backlog that I felt really guilty getting yet another one. So I had to clear them off first. But I managed to clear them, and now I'm, now I'm into, into Elden Ring. So, yeah, really enjoying that. That will be my, my jam for the next 100 hours or so, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, the founders of Kane and Rince, uh, Jay, he uh, platinumed 
He was playing on his PlayStation 5. 300 hours he spent on that. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I finished Dark Souls 3, all the achievements. That was about the same, 350 hours. Yeah, maybe, three, so. 300 hours. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if I want to do that again. I don't know. No, he, he New Game Plus <laughs> it as well. He did New Game Plus. So he, 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 he did it and then he did it again, but he, you know, he took yeah. him 12 hours when he did the second because he was already yeah, overpowered. Yeah. He was just, you know, marching through stuff. But he just said, I wasn't, didn't get that trophy. You're like, really? Really, Jay? <laughs> but no, bless him. You know, he's dedicated. Phil, what are you distracting yourself with? Uh, at the weekend, I was playing Horizon Zero Dawn, the first one, because I've just got a PlayStation 5 and I wanted to move on to the uh, Forbidden West. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some, I've also been dabbling in Inscription, the card puzzle. Yes. Both very good games. Um, and yeah, Horizon, I really enjoyed the emergent gameplay I'm not sure how far you in but towards the, By end, the end nearly finished oh yeah towards the end I was found myself just like causing chaos because I thought it was funny you to sort of convert <laughs> one of the larger creatures and just like off your pop cool. and then just start, yeah. start to have this massive fight there was no, no I gained nothing from it nothing <laughs> nothing material but the hilarity of like yeah the crocodiles now attacking the crow thing yeah this is been, great. <laughs> I've been doing the DLC bit where you're in the snow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't believe it. Really good DLC pack. Really Absolutely good. Amazing. Really good. Yeah, I haven't delved in because I got distracted by a certain game beginning letter E. Um, but <laughs> So, um, Stuart, what are you playing at the moment? Yeah, also also smashed my way through Elden Ring for that oh. platinum trophy on nice. PlayStation. but. Um, just recently, just the other day there, I downloaded uh, Dune Spice War. Um, it's just come out from Shiro Games, a strategy game. And yeah, it's actually pretty good. It's still in early access, but highly recommend. Yeah, because it's one of the earliest RTSs, not the earliest. Let's not go there. Hmm. No one knows Herzog's Fly. No one. No one knows that game. But it was one. Yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, Dune 2 is one of the earliest uh, RTSs. And yeah. Yeah, I hope they sort of drawn. I think they have drawn from inspiration from that original title, but set it into the new, the new version of Dune, which is way better than the terrible eighties film. Sorry, no offense to everyone if you like that, but really, it's awful. Um, but um, well, good shout, good stuff. Here we are. You made it for the first half. Done. And uh, let's um, let's move on to the second half of the show, where we will be delving deep into Venture Valley.
so. First question. Regular listeners will know isn't really a question. It's a request and any of you can answer this. In your own words, what is Venture Valley? Venture Valley is a entrepreneurship and business management game with card mechanics and a competitive multiplayer. Yeah, it's definitely a simulation of creating a enterprise, um, a business enterprise, which can produce and sell and trade various things, everything from actual things to shares in those things. It's incredible. It builds up in a lovely... The onboarding is just wonderful. Can't congratulate you because it is a very complex topic. Most people really don't understand because it's littered with jargon. And I think you do a good job of actually scraping away the, the fog of jargon and getting to the core of it, which is actually just double entry bookkeeping. No, it's actually um, making sure that, you know, your investments bring about a reward at some point in the chain. And I find it fascinating how you've modelled this thing in that there are some parts where your businesses will be failing, in inverted commas, but your actual overall plan isn't because you can shift that loss or can make a invest into that project knowing that it will eventually bring about a return, hopefully. That's the idea. So that's really what it is, everyone. You take control of an enterprise. It starts very, very small, very humble then eventually explodes into something hopefully but that's entirely up to you as the leader of the of the of the business is that fair description yeah i'd say so good thank you so my first design question is this and at the core of a running enterprise and really sort of which is what venture valley is about is risk management, which is a much abused term. And, you know, what do we mean by risks? And is it related to, you know, it's not health and safety. This is talking about risk in terms of your health of your business and your enterprise, as I say. I'm not going to use the word business. It's really enterprises that you're creating. And what I found with Venture Values, you've done a rather good job of shrouding the actual really core of it being really you're just shifting risk from one place to the other to minimize and doing all these mitigation measures to reduce the exposure to them or their impact can you talk us through how that was embedded into the experience to making sure that that's what you're representing without explicitly stating it because you never when i'm playing venture valley i don't remember seeing often the word all these terms used because it's very very dry and it's not very you know it doesn't really lend itself to um sort of an entertaining experience someone could argue against it but honestly it's too mechanical so what have you done to make sure that the 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 audience or the player is introduced to this concept without them realizing that oh wait this is just what have you so what do you think you've done to make sure that that's what it is yeah right from day one, the, the core 
principle that we're working with here is that it's an educational game, but we never want it to seem like an educational game, right? Because as soon as you put the word educational onto a product, people run for the hills, right? So we want to teach all of those core principles and, and get the fundamentals of financial literacy, entrepreneurship across, but without ever actually explicitly saying you're, you're on a learning journey and there's going to be an exam at the end. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, in terms of how we did that, I don't know, Bibi, if you want to, to jump in and talk about the actual design itself. I think the, the, the what Venture Valley does is it, it kind of breaks down those concepts, those jargon, if you will, into like small segments so that the player isn't just like, you know, thrust into it all at one time. You know, we break it down to the player and, you know, we really try and get them to use it, to utilize it, because really from learning, you learn from doing rather than just like, you know, we're trying to mitigate the fact that this is, you know, an educate, educating people without really, we hope, without them really catching on to the fact that it's it's educa- educating them. Um, we want them to to learn by doing, if you will, and, and you know, not really focus on that part. So it, it kind of breaks it down into just into different aspects. You know, you as you were saying, you support one business via your plethora of businesses, if you will. You can transfer funds to a business that's failing. You know, you can boost up one that's doing really well to maximize your profits. And by giving the player that kind of choice and that kind of functionality and you know that, that the play, if you will, of of discovering how best to do that. We're kind of inadvertently teaching them. Yeah, I think you do a really good job of breaking down the the very complex task of creating an enterprise, a successful one, into discrete components. And you can do this to any task, actually. Learning a guitar, for example, or playing or playing an instrument is a very good example of repairing a washing machine. You can actually break this down and into discrete components and then it builds up and builds up and builds up and that's what you layer and layer and layer these these things and like long as the 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 audience has now understood these core concepts you can then put build on top of those that foundation but the 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 key is that you you introduce it and don't have them bounce off too quickly because it's so easy because you're so familiar with the topic as a teacher, because that's what you are, that you really want to get to the more complex stuff more quicker. Um, but that's a really hard thing to hold, to, to not rush, because like, well, this is really simple stuff. Come on, like, clearly this, the, you just you find yourself sort of a stream of consciousness of all these juggling terms tumble out of your mouth and you go, and you, you just have to be self-aware enough. And I do see that come through in the design of Venture Valley is, well, yeah, but... I, I only know that because I've been working this for two or three years and I've had to embed myself into this concepts and read a ton of textbooks that are deeply dry, but very important. Uh, Venture Venture Valley is quite good as well, though, because if you want want to bore into that knowledge, there is a dashboard system and and it does reveal some of that information, the drier information, if you like. But you can also, as a player, you don't have to. You can still enjoy the game. There is this card play element as well. You can explore the little bit of the environment and look around. So you don't need to. Yeah, so it gives us some good accessibility between those who are interested in that in that knowledge and those who may be a bit more casual and, and don't need to or don't feel they want to, um, but and just enjoy the game anyway. Yeah, 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 definitely. It doesn't, doesn't pressure you, but it does a good job of 
identifying and flagging these terms. And you spoke about the card play. Sorry, I mean, more, more points to raise. And... You know, I was just going to say, from, from my perspective, like as someone who, who cast a count on their fingers, I think, you know, I'm, I'm one of the prime candidates for playing this sort of game. And one of the things I really enjoy about it is, is like, I think, you, Phoebe, you said play. And, I, you know, and I think the world is so playful that, like, that that keeps me invested, even though, like, okay, the terminology and, like, the, the concepts I'm learning are maybe higher level and, and, yeah, a bit dry if they were framed in a different way because it's in a world where I'm selling hoverboards and, you know, giraffes and, and stuff like that. Like, that that keeps me hooked in and I want to find out, like, okay, when I level this business up, what am I selling now? Oh, cool, it's hover carts, right? And, like, now my, my little meeps are going around driving these things and wearing, like, crazy, you know, robot limbs and stuff. Like, like that, that level of playfulness, I think, keeps it, entertaining you know which means that even though you're 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 digesting these these drier concepts you're still always looking at what's the next funny thing i'm gonna gonna be able to do with them right so yeah i think that definitely helps so my next question then is about the cards in venture valley you've mentioned them a couple of times now and um like the most board games i've found i actually mentioned you know dominant species that has a series of cards which are very disruptive to what's actually going on there's an underlying engine Without the cards, it would be even drier than it already is. No, it's a good game. I'm not going to go there. But it's without that disruption, without that, you know, manipulation, that underlying change, which is what the cards in Venture Valley do. They actually have the underlying engine of all the, you know, your your, your outgoings, your incoming and, 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 you know, your overheads and all that stuff. And that you could keep that going is fine. But then all of a sudden these other things are happening that are events that are known to possibly occur to you and you can control that, but also you can actually inflict it on others. So they're random events, not quite, but they're manipulated and that they can be random by the other players foisting negative things onto you and then you're boosting your own. So I just want to ask you, how have you found designing these cards and uh, how have you found their influence or what have they done to the underlying structure of Venture Valley? Well, I think as you said there, uh, they're kind of, what you've summarized, what I'll summarize for there is like, they're kind of the agents of chaos, if you will. Like they all, um, they act as, you know, any business comes with risk. So you being an entrepreneur, you've got to expect those, expect some level of risk, but it doesn't mean that you're always going to be prepared. Uh, and also, you know, it also adds the competitive aspect of being able to one up your 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 friends, your peers, your arch rivals, you know, whoever you're playing against. Um, but deciding the cards, yeah, like they all they're they're also kind of again uh, secretly trying to teach you different aspects of the game because you know whatever they whatever they do, you know, you have to learn how to counteract that or or figure out where that is affecting your business. So. If it's affecting your cost of goods, you could rise your cost of goods, the price of your goods yourself, or instead you can just counteract with another card, which uh, which would mitigate the issue until the card, the, the negative card loses its effect. So I think just trying to figure out which which aspects of the game and 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 also of learning makes is the real is the real struggle with the design. It's like you could just do a catastrophic. Um, some catastrophic instant but you've got to figure out how would that relate to the business and and how would that actually affect and in which which seg- segment of a business will that affect yeah when we when we first started designing the cards way way back 
you know, we thought some of them might be quite extreme. It was like, well, you know, how, how unlucky can you get as a business, right? But I think over the last couple of years, we've learned very quickly that, okay, as an entrepreneur, were you ready for, for the global pandemic curve to get played, you know, and how many businesses that's impacted? So that really opened their eyes to just how extreme those cards could be and, and how much fun we can have with them, but still be in the realms of, you know, for plausibility as it were. So that's, uh, that's been a really in- interesting bit for me. And again, it's a wonderful way of actually making sh- de- testing how robust your business is against these these onslaughts of, of risks. There you go. And these are your, you know, really, some of the cards are mitigation measures, but ultimately it's how you set up your profit and loss margins across your enterprise to make sure that it actually can withstand an assault. Uh, it sounds like an attack, or but sometimes it is an attack by because the other players, whether AI-driven or actual people, are playing these negative cards against you tactically and making sure that, that well, that business is rather thriving. Let's just drop that on it and whatever it may be, um, some negative publicity or some roadworks or, you know, there's a there's a labour um, dispute and that kind of thing just dropped on and uh, they have to deal with it. And, again, I'm using all these terms. They don't crop up in the game. <laughs> you know, mitigation measures, no, no. You know, there's no, it's just like, why? It's just, an, uh, but ultimately this is what it is, is what's going on. And it's really, really clever because if you, if you like, like, like Phil said, if you want to delve into that, you can, and you'll read all the, about these things and these models and these concepts. But this is what Venture Valley is trying to introduce you to in a rather much, much more pleasant way than reading a very dry textbook of 500 pages long that ultimately tells you, I don't know, just go for it. <laughs> um so next point and it's something you spoke about in the first half of the show and about inspirations and it's about the multiplayer core of venture valley which is a very prominent aspect of the experience it sort of presents you when you start it up with two very large green buttons like solo mode or hey you can play with other people and I found that the competitiveness is the main driver behind Venture Valley. Success is measured against your your success is measured against others, your your peers, other businesses that are similar to yours, other enterprises as I should say that are similar to yours, and goals are given to the player to achieve. And what I've asked is. Are you concerned that this is a bit of an oversimplification of what actually happens between enterprises? That's a good question. I mean, for a start, Chris, you sound like an excellent player. You you seem to enjoy the game. You've got a good idea of the stealth learning. I'm really liking the things that you're saying and and the way that you're understanding the game. Um, An oversimplification in a game... Well, it is a simulation. We are trying to impart knowledge bite size. You, you potentially only have the players for, what, five minutes, depending on the game settings that you set. So you don't want to, like, drown the player in, in, in jargon and terms, but and you still want them to have fun. Um, so it is striking that balance um, between, yeah, between those things, and that can be very difficult. 
think that's important that they're full, right? It's balance of fun. It's like the the competition in the real market, as you said, Chris, is very complicated, right? And does does have a lot of intricacy in terms of how businesses cooperate or compete against each other. But ultimately the the core of venture value, we're looking for something that's fun, right? That that's there has to be that first and then everything else on top of it. Yeah. I mean there's um acquisitions, for example, buyouts, mm-hmm. management buyouts. Um, or, um, mergers, uh, consolidation, all these things. You're just um, naming all of our DLC packs. That are coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and sometimes enterprises don't actually compete. It depends on the nature of the enterprise. And you do have many that actually live alongside each other. We see it all the time, all the time. Um, and um, that's not a. That's not you know some some businesses have that they, they then strive to have that USP unique selling point. Again, these phrases are not in the game. Why would they be? Because it's dry. It doesn't work. But you're still doing all these things. I just found it fascinating that there's this conceit that yes, you are trying to be top dog. In reality, no. It's a byproduct of what you're trying to achieve in reality, but ultimately you're just trying to run a successful enterprise if you find yourself being, but not at the expense of others, because then that doesn't, that when you, even in the event that you actually fall or your fortunes are less so, you don't want to tread on those who you stumbled on at their expense. And I think you do a reasonably good job in Venture Valley of doing that because it's in good humour. You know the things, the cards you play. There's a, there's a understand. The players understand that this is a, as Phil's rightly says, it's a simulation. Everyone, let's not get carried away. Any simulation, any model has some conceits to it, or some aspects of it are not quite the same. But, or in reality, reality is much messier, to the annoyance of many. <laughs> but. Um, any other sort of like chip into like this sort of like the idea of of, of competing businesses and, and awarding the players for their success over others? What do you think? I think I mean the thing about it is you could you could find players that have a completely different style from yourself. That, that again, it it hastens the learning process through doing like nothing. Nothing is. You know, again, it, it's a fun experience playing with your get your friends. You want to be the the best, um, but to do that, you kind of have to figure out how a mechanic affects it. Um, I, I feel like I'm saying all the dry stuff. It's, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it is it is simple. Yeah, absolutely, because it kind of needs to be to get their get players' attention and get them learning. Yeah. You know, they can always go go forth and, and learn more. But if the more things we add, the more things we tack on, the harder it is for us to like understand it at a level that like a large a large variety of players can understand. Um, you know, that's we were talking about accessibility earlier, and you know, hopefully this this title can be seen as accessible because, as Phil said, you could just take the route of like enjoying enjoying the world, enjoying the maps, enjoying the playfulness of the cards. You know, like. It, just I still really enjoy the 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 cash skunk um card play because you get that excellent animation of a skunk literally uh stinking out of business. Um so even even if you're even if you're losing, I still think you'd have a fun time just just playing with friends, being a bit 
conniving against each other but if you really want to learn you could always ask your friend like hey how did you actually best me at top sales for this business and they Mm. can you know teach you how they how they maneuvered that yeah 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 double entry bookkeeping no so (laughs) so a last question then i know all good things come to an end but here we are the single player experience i in venture valley as far as i can understand it and this is not you may disagree, but let's just talk about it anyway. It feels like a training exercise, not only for the concept of enterprise creation and building and maintenance and a successful one, but it's also a bit of a training ground for the multiplayer aspect. Um, what have you done to make sure the player is given suitable tools to be at least reasonably successful when they go out to the outer world and experience the game when other human beings are playing it rather than the AI? So, I mean, firstly, we've kind of segmented them away into neighborhoods. Now, in each neighborhood, there's like set number of businesses or certain businesses types that are slightly less complicated. You know, as the game progresses and you've unlocked, say, the last the last neighborhood, the Palms, you have a lot more businesses with a, a lot more concepts. We've introduced research and development you know, again, another jargon term, but like you have to kind of understand that if you if you have a hope of winning because uh, you need to be able to upgrade your business and without resistant development, you can't possibly begin to like sell more advanced, uh, say, technologies because a lot of that is getting into technology and tech sales, you know, booming industries and, entre- and, and entrepreneurship opportunities. So, you know, uh, it was also under- you know, you have to understand yeah so sorry in conclusion you know we have these three neighborhoods that have these set of businesses and and each neighborhood gets slightly more complicated and without having done that from without having completed that through solo mode you can't really join those games um by yourself so we do mitigate the player to have to you have to struggle a bit on your own first before we're allowing you to to just jump right into the the sea of more veteran players yeah no it's absolutely fair and um, so how have you found designing that experience to make sure that they actually are at a level that you believe they won't get completely um swamped and overwhelmed by by uh, 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 actual human beings what, what have you found any have you found balancing that an issue anyone I think it's I think it has been you know it's not the easiest thing I mean with any multiplayer experience it's always hard to like level level players against each other because People just have different skill sets. This could be someone's very first game. This could be someone's, you know, thousandth game. They're an expert at business terminology. They have got it. They know what they're doing. Um, but, you know, the thing is as well, we, we've, we, we've got to have a, a level of, of understanding to the player that maybe, you know, they go in, it's way too hard. They come back, they decide, I'm going to play some more solo mode. I've got to practice by myself before I can venture out there again but you know making them not able to try is not always the way to to teach them they're not ready one of the things that we spent some time on is the ai um in the single player mode you play against other bots who are who are you know trying to beat you essentially some of them are quite easy to begin with like you, you can sort of just play and not really know what you're doing and you can make it through but as phoebe says we've got multiple uh neighborhoods and they get more and more difficult and some of them 
are significantly harder. And if you have not understood the concepts, then you will really struggle or may not even make it. So um, training players that way, it kind of makes sense. And then potentially if you came up against a lobby of people that were kind of new to the game, you may be better already because you've beaten the harder uh, AI. Um, and that balancing of the AI is, is taking some time. Uh, there's still more work to be done. I would have thought there at some point as we, as we you know, uh, as we go forward. So it's kind of an ongoing process as well, re- reassessing it. But for now, I think we're pretty happy with where we are. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I, I did find it towards the latter component quite a challenge, spinning, you know, spinning all those plates and making sure those plates are actually spinning and not wobbling. <laughs> You know what I mean? We've all done that. Like, well, it's wobbling. It's about to fall off, but I'm okay with it now. You can't get away with doing that in Venture Valley. No. They've really got no. to actually be spinning. Even so the if AI will come and yeah. smash your plates down. Yeah, they? they will. They will. It's like, you know, what are you doing? Oh, that, that would be fine. No, it won't. Oh, great. Now I've lost. Yeah. So it's, 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 I think it's very, very well done that way and it's a really i applaud you for actually saying no you've got to finish this before you even attempt to go out there because if you think this is tough oh boy uh, <laughs> and you do have to be quite uh you know, aggressive uh and uh, a forthright and assertive and also knowing when this, that's okay that's that's failing and stuff but i'll recover that i'll bring it back it's in, in some ways when I when I'm playing uh, multiplayer, I've found that um, there are some aspects that are a bit chess-like. Bear with me on this, but there are some aspects where I've actually created a feint. Actually, created a point where I'm like, this is a weakness in inverted commas. This is I'm trying to expose myself here. I'm fine. I'm not really looking after that. They go tumbling after. Actually, no, that's perfectly fine. And then sort of like I'll undercut them in some other regard, or I'll build another business right next to the door to them where they're not paying attention. That exists in Venture Valley. It really does, everyone. And very clever, because who would have known that chess could be applied to enterprise creation? But there it is. I don't know how you did it, but you did. I don't even like chess very much because it's just two patterns. Isn't it? It's just two buttons. <laughs> I got. I got to interject there. I think chess is a very good game, actually. I, I just, yeah, just it is. You learn a lot about. I think you learn a lot about someone if you play chess at them. Yes. Actually. Yeah. The inability to like, think more than two moves ahead is a bit of a problem. <laughs> I find yeah. it interesting that you said play chess at them as well, Phil. I think yeah. that tells a lot about you. It does. <laughs> well, you can kind of work out if they're high risk or if they're defensive or yeah, what kind yeah. of. Yeah. I, well, maybe. No. Maybe yeah. No, that's fine. We could, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. Let's not go there. So, Venture Valley, which is developed by Hyperluminal Games. What a great name, by the way. Where does it come from? Oh, I knew you were going to ask that. Yeah, no. <laughs> was, uh, yeah I mean, the, the, name, the name was supposed to be Superluminal, right? That was the original name, but that, that company already exists, sadly. So we had to change. So we went up a layer, yeah. went to Hyperluminal, Hyper, which is even yeah, faster. Yeah. Even right? faster. So, um, it just means faster than the speed of light, you know, so faster than faster than the speed faster, of light. Yeah, okay, right. So you go back in time. <laughs> Great. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Venture Valley, it's available on what platforms currently? And, you know, you can tell us what's going on there. It's currently available on Steam. Uh, you can also get it on the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. Nice. So it's on iOS and Android as well. 
Uh, and what, what does it work on on Steam? Is it uh, just PC Windows? I can't remember. Or is it... Yeah? Yeah, okay. Cool. Right. Well, it's been a pleasure having you all on. Four people. That's a first, I think. People have done it once before. It's been a long, long time. Nine years now for doing a show, so possibly. But um, you're... Been, you've been great guests. You really have. You're more than welcome to come back and talk about whatever next venture. Hey, see what I did there? <laughs> hey, a bit of a dad joke towards the end um, that you have uh, planned. But in the meantime, thank you all so very much. Yeah, thanks so much, Chris. Thank you. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com. <laughs>